Well, we're here, and it's uh, been an interesting uh, two weeks in comics. Yeah, it has. It's it's kind of like when, almost when Thomas Jefferson and John Adams died on the same day. We have two (laughs) creators that died in the same week, and they're probably the most influential artists in comics in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. um, And later, too. But Yeah, well... I mean, their their influences uh, definitely were the spark of many many creators to come and many more. Yeah, and I would say the first one did start their career in the late '60s, but probably best known for their work in the '70s and '80s. And the second one's best known for their work in the late '70s and '80s and '90s, and drawing lots and lots and lots and lots of characters on everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and For Wonder sure. Woman, of course, which we reviewed a few episodes ago. Yeah. So um, I guess we should get into it. So both Neil Adams and George Perez uh, passed away. And it's a pretty sad day in the sense of we had two people that were very influential in comics, um, but not just for their art. Uh, for what they did in the comics industry. And that's why we want to spend a little bit of time talking about them. Mm-hmm. Man, <laughs> like <laughs> we started this and I was, I was you were like, oh, it's going to get, we're going to get sad. And I'm like, oh no, we're, we're going to be fine. Now I'm all like super emotional over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I mean, let's start out with, uh, I think really important stuff. And I think, the main thing it, I, I want to address this, and I was actually talking to a mutual friend of ours, and he's we have talked his ear out about this already, so I've had some time to think about it. Mm-hmm. But I know, you know, Neil Adams. I've heard people say things like about Neil Adams, like, "Well, there was Neil Adams, and then there was a little bit of crazy." And I can see how some people might say that about Neil Adams because of his advocacy and how hard he fought for certain things. Mm -hmm. But I never looked at it as crazy, right? Like I looked at it as him establishing himself and um, making sure that he was paid for his work. And and I don't have an issue with that. And But, you know, uh, Perez took it very differently, right? He got paid a lot for his work and then gave a lot uh, for free back to people. Uh, But both were very influential in helping creators and establishing creators' rights. One of the most important things Neil Adams did is he helped found the Comics Creators Guild, which several comic books and writers joined in 1978. And it was one of the first attempts to, I don't want to call it a union, but sort of establish a a pseudo-union of artists and writers. Mm -hmm. And this type of effort, you know, leads to things like image comics, right? Where, you know, artists just take off and say, well, you know, we can pay ourselves, right? More than DC and Marvel can pay us and we're popular and they're not paying us. So we're going to go make our own company, right? Neil Adams was the precursor for this and, and... he also uh, did content. It was a continuity comics, I think. Um, so he really would give advice. And, and I saw some creators tweeting out uh, Jimmy Palmiotti specifically uh, said he laughed. It tweeted out that Neil Adams would constantly go up to him and Amanda Connor at conventions and tell them they weren't charging enough for autographs. <laughs> and, you know, just tell them they're worth more. And I think that's one of the, you know, people didn't like that about Neil sometimes, but I think that, it's good to have somebody in an industry or somebody that's a colleague or friend of yours remind you that you are worth something, right? And that you you should be paid for your work. Mm-hmm. 
And I think those are important things. And so I, I find, you know, th- those kind of influences that he had making sure that creators were paid for their work and ensuring that. And, and he did it himself. I mean, I would see it at conventions on occasion and he'd have his huge setup there with no one in line. Uh, and usually there's big lines, but there was a couple times when you'd walk by and no one was in line, right? And you could just go talk to him. Uh, and he would talk to you, right? He wasn't going to sign anything unless you paid for it. But he was happy to sit and talk to you about comics. Yeah. And uh, I did that a couple of times. I also got a bunch of stuff signed from him and paid for it. And so, and I, I'll talk about some of those conversations later. But he he would just show up. And I think, you know different right and i realized why other artists and writers didn't necessarily follow that model but i always appreciated the his genuineness and his conversations and the fact that he would actually you know value himself enough to say hey um this is what i'm worth uh, this is what i think i'm valued at and this is what you should pay me to do if i'm going to do something for you otherwise i'm happy to talk to you i'm happy to engage with you but you know if you want the autograph on this hard work that i did then you're going to pay for it Never had a problem with that, and it uh, and it makes sense. I mean, it from a, from a creator standpoint, that like if you if you put the the time and effort in to do those things, like and, and definitely coming from the the time frame in which he did, there was it was a there was a lot of a lot of things that didn't happen for creators with their work, and the the feeling of wanting to get that 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 worth, you know, uh, that, that being paid for that thing that you did is, is definitely like, I, I can, I, I can understand that. Well, I think also, you know, when you look at Neil Adams, uh, origination in comics coming back in the sixties where he's seeing, you know, very famous, uh, authors, right. Writers and, and artists, um, that worked forever in the industry that just weren't paid, right? He's in the mm-hmm. middle of Siegel and Schuster basically being alienated by DC Comics, even up through like the movie, right? And if you'll notice, uh, he does the Creators Guild in 1978 right after Siegel and Schuster weren't paid for the Superman movie. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's looking around and seeing those things. So he had had a few years in, and, you know, I always forget that the Dead Man stuff, and he. I mean, First off, Green Lantern, Green Arrow work, which we'll get into a little bit of that because that's my favorite stuff. But that came out, Same. that was in 1970. So a long time ago. Uh, it, but right. like the Dead Man work, the beautiful <laughs> covers there mm-hmm. and the beautiful art inside, that was in the late 60s. So Neil Adams, you know, was drawing for a long time. It, he didn't come around. He even did some X-Men covers mm-hmm. for Marvel and you know, a little bit of Fantastic Four stuff. And he did a lot of cover work uh, before he caught on as a mainstream artist in books too. I've got an adventure comics Legion cover signed by Neil Adams. And you don't think of like Neil Adams as a late sixties cover artist, right? But you can just imagine, I mean, how did obviously Kurt Swan is, (laughs) is Kurt Swan, (laughs) (laughs) right? But you know, what do you think? It probably upped his game, right? Neil Adams draws this cover and then Kurt Swan's got to draw the interiors, right? After looking at these covers (laughs) going, wow. Okay. This is, I, I, this is the act I have to follow. Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) Just like keeps you on your game. Right. Definitely. I think one of the, one of the best things I'm looking at a strange adventures 207 cover right now. And of course you have the famous, Green Lantern and Green Arrow 76 with Green Arrow shooting the lantern. You also have the two drug issues, right? Yeah. Uh, but one of the best things about Neil Adams' art are really these um, 
they're most photorealistic faces he draws. Like mm-hmm. when people, when you see people in the art, um, he doesn't draw everybody as a comic book character, right? He draws yeah. them as real people. And so when he did Batman, when he did the Green Lantern, Green Arrow run, when he's drawing these uh, people looking at, one of my favorites is a cover uh, one of the dead men, the famous dead man. Co- I mean, it's everywhere. You could just, just look it up where dead man, it, the acrobat is dead, but then the body is floating up and the body looks in anguish. Right. And so many of the uh, ghosts, right. You see in mythos, like they're mm-hmm. happy to escape the body, right. Yeah. Or whatever, or they're leaving or they're confused, but um, he's looking down in anguish. Like why the, why the, the fuck am I leaving right now? Right. Sorry for the cussing, but it's fan- <laughs> it's fantastic. I, it was unnecessary swearing, but it it looks so fantastic because you see the anguish on his face as he's leaving the body, mm-hmm. and it's one of those moments in comics. It's 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 iconic, and that image still lives to now, right? That dead man work holds up to now, and the oh, yeah. art holds up. And of course, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow comic. Um, he also introduced John Stewart with Denny O'Neill. Mm-hmm. So influential as introducing one of the mainstream African-American superheroes for DC and pushing that in 1970, 1971. So yeah. it just when you look at the kind of the body of work, I want to talk about some of the conversations I had with him later, but what are some of your Neil Adams moments? Um, well, I mean, I, I think some of them are, are definitely shared with you. <laughs> so yeah. at conventions, so we'll, we'll definitely like, we'll, we'll hit on those, but like, I, like just in, just in, in stuff that I've, I've, I've kept a hold of, uh, that are just like, I I'm going through like comics and stuff like that, that I have. And, you know, the green arrow, green lantern books, like they're just, they're, they're ones that I grew up with as a kid and they've never left that they've, they've always, they've, they've left a mark on me as, as purely enjoyable. And especially for those reasons that you stated, I mean, just the, the way that the, the characters look uh, and the way that they, the way it makes you feel looking at them and, and his cover work just, I mean, there, I, yeah, I just, it's one of those things where you, you look at some of these things and you're just like, wow, like this just looks so great. <laughs> I think sometimes with, with Neil, it wasn't just the, the character, the superhero characters, like I was saying, but it's the backgrounds, mm-hmm. right? The detail he puts into and, and Perez too, obviously. And we'll get yeah. into that, but yeah. the, the detail of the backgrounds, like how much time he takes to make sure that you can see what's going on with the people in the back of the story and not just the front of the story. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like that, that's one of those things too, is like some of the, some of the other books that I, I've always carried around too, that, that he worked on uh, like weird Western tales and and house of mystery and stuff like that. Those are, those are ones that like, obviously for, for somebody that likes the spooky stuff and the, and the weird things uh, and seeing stuff that has that, that look to it, it made me seek out who is this person that I'm who, who drew this. And, you know, it, it's always like that with when I, when I find something that I enjoy when I was a kid, I would, I would, I would sit there and, and paw through the boxes and, and look for that kind of stuff. And, or, you know, who, you know, who is this person that I, that I, that I found this, this story that they did and that I have this one book of, 
where can I find more of it? It's not like we had the internet back in <laughs> back in the eighties, right? So <laughs> a lot of time hanging out in a comic book store on my knees digging around. When I think one of the amazing things about Neil too is, you know, he held to his morals and quit, right? He left mm-hmm. his last work for I mean, he did work in the twenty first century, he went he did more, but you know, he did the Superman versus Muhammad Ali oversize. Mm-hmm. And I think that was seventy eight. And I know he didn't do much work for Marvel after around 1980. And so, and he left those companies and he did continuity and he did his own work and he refused to be underpaid for his work and fought for creator rights, which we mentioned before. But Mm -hmm. I always thought, you know, to come at the top of your, uh, I guess, money make like the top, when you're at the top, right? And to make Mm -hmm. a stand like that and to know you're going to lose money doing that. That is is something I wouldn't be willing to do. Yeah, but I mean, if you have if if it's in your heart to do to to make that shift because you see something as being uh, your compass is set to that to that setting and that's what you want to do, you're gonna do it, whatever it is, you know. And I feel like he he's a he was a person that stuck to that to that setting and he saw that there was something that needed to be things needed to be said and things needed to be done. And he wanted to do those things for creators rights. Yeah. And, you know, in addition to the creators rights, he also was an out uh, spoken advocate for uh, remembering the, the Holocaust and promoting that in Poland and in the United States and did a actually collaboration with Disney called They Spoke Out American Voices Against the Holocaust. And so you know, there's other work in addition to the creator rights that he supported, too. And, and of course, he had the first, um, while well, Spider-Man did the first uh, drug issues that didn't have the comic book comics code authority on them, mm-hmm. uh, you had the two Green Lantern and Green Arrow issues, uh, 85 and 86, I believe, that had the uh, addressed heroin, the heroin epidemic in the 70s, and actually had the comics code mm-hmm. uh, stamped on it. And, of course, you find out that Speedy is, well, <laughs> doing speed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... So you you know you I'm st- I'm stumbling a lot because this is the part where I'm getting sad. But uh, these are you know issues. When I was teaching at university, I always had students read as part of a pop culture class, right? Because yeah. they're an influential part of the run. But O'Neill and Adams in the early '70s took on issues like drugs, climate change, mm-hmm. um, Native American rights. And put them in comics. And this run of comics, it was kind of interesting. The Green Lantern era was was fading out. We talked about that way back when we were oh, talking yeah. about Guy Gardner and the introduction of John Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Green Lantern comic it had the beautiful Gil Kane art for a long time, but they got tired of watching the space cop fight um, Star Sapphire over and over again. And um, if you've seen any Green Lantern movies, you know the villains aren't so great. Ryan Reynolds will probably attest to that. And so they put Green Lantern and they just gave him Green Arrow and Danny O'Neill got to create with Neil Adams and they created these stories and then they got to do Batman. Yeah. And move Batman into a penthouse, right? Changed it up. Changed it up. I mean, and, but made him more a part of the city, tried to make the character like, uh, more in touch and also that the green arrow losing his money, right. was part yeah. was that that was a creation and that, that has held on uh, oh. through all of the mythos. Every time they recreate that character, including an yeah. arrow, including recent launches of the comic book, mm-hmm. green arrow starts out rich and then he becomes poor. Sometimes he becomes rich again, but that, that mythos holds on and it, and it gave green arrow 
honestly, without Neil Adams and, and Denny O'Neill, Green Arrow's character is dead in yeah. like 1970. What, what's interesting to you about, <clears throat> about that whole entire type of that, that arc, uh, like you said, holding true, um, my mom and I, when we watched the Arrow, uh, she was like, it's just like I remembered. And she was talking about the, the comics that she read because she, yeah. she indeed did read these comics. And these were things that her and her brothers read when, when they were kids. Right. So um, it was, it was definitely one of those things where like, by the time I got my hands on, on these, these books and was reading them, it was, it was like, you know, they were, my, my folks were just like, Oh yeah, you're finally reading this. That's good. You know? And when we sat down and watched the show, she was like, Oh yeah, no, this is totally. And she, she was talking talking through the the plot as to what connected to and what was similar and what wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it, yeah, they did on arrow. They did the Island was different, you know, when mm-hmm. they, when, when they did the origin in that DC superstars book that we read where they introduced the Huntress, right. Yeah. They, the Island wasn't this big mythos thing. It was just a place he was stranded on, right. When the ship was attacked by right. pirates, but that was all part of the arrow mythos too. Now the mm-hmm. mythos of the Island and it being, basically like lost mm-hmm. yeah that was more a part of the show right yeah, <laughs> but yeah the uh that 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 origin stuck around with the character for a long time yeah. and you're kind of looking at how they built him you know he needed that sort of origin otherwise the character they it, that was a retro boot but mm-hmm. he needed that sort of origin to match what o'neill and adams yeah. created right yeah they couldn't continue look like oh he just grew up like batman and started making toys right right uh they needed a a way for him to once he lost his money to be able to empathize with people mm-hmm. and his struggle allowed him to empathize with people more than other heroes and the way they wrote the stories you had green lantern who's basically the conservative in the story mm-hmm. who thinks which is weird. I'm going to say the yeah. conservative in the story who thinks the government can fix everything. Right. But he's like, he's a cop, right? He yeah. uses that space cop mentality. Right. Uh, there's two issues in particular where they're working on native American rights and loggers are trying to take native American land and green arrow wants to go in and fight the loggers and, and blow up their stuff and, and get rid of them. And green arrow or green lantern says he is going to talk to the congressman and get it taken care of. And green arrow's like, how long is that going to take? And they actually get in a fist fight in the, in a river <laughs> and get swept down the river and knock themselves out arguing over which solution is better. And how often do you see, you know, besides Batman punching you know, Guy Gardner, because it's funny. Yeah. Uh, how often do you see, you know, characters genuinely like the heroes break down into a fight, um, taking two uh, equally moral positions? Right. But I think that 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 humanizes them, uh, you know, even more so because they're it it, pull, it brings it to a polar they're, they're polar opposites, but yet they're they have these two two value sets that they they both want to defend and talk about and it turned into a a disagreement (laughs) a very bad disagreement (laughs) right well and i think the other thing about that at the time right marvel was the the company that was edged into that right Mm -hmm. marvel was the one that was supposed to be the groundbreaking character development and here you had o'neill and adams over here writing the better stories yeah and and they weren't bestsellers at the time but they are now right these books are continually bought now so yeah in fact, the book was canceled 
And it was brought back and they sort of put Green Arrow in space with Green Lantern, which was kind of weird. Though you did have some cool Mike Grell art on some of that. So I yeah. can forgive that. But it was uh, it was interesting that uh, it was interesting that that happened. And so mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic. Yeah. To, to go back to the to the Batman in the penthouse, I, I like <clears throat> when when you bring that up uh, like that, it. I also, that's also like a, it, it throws me right back into just the, the feels of like grabbing up some of those, those old comics that I was getting from my uncles and stuff like that when I was younger and, and being, because it, it, they, they were so apart from everything that I had watched on TV, (laughs) you know, and cause I'm talking batman 66 and you know that's like oh get home from school watch batman and then you see this different batman and yeah and it's a totally different it's a he he's got all this other stuff going on and with you know you're you're getting a lot more batman backstory in these in these these comics as well because of these new and interesting characters he's not just fighting his his rogue his rogues gallery that we, we know and love from the TV show and from, from previous comics, you've got all these new entities. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think the, uh, it was interesting too, when they did the green lantern, green arrow book, they took villains that were traditional villains, but then they made them different, right? Mm -hmm. Like the black hand becomes an, uh, a plastics industrialist, (laughs) which (laughs) was an interesting way to do it. But Hey, um, they tried to like address issues head on and, you know, with the Batman work too, it wasn't as blatant as that, I would say, but they still really attempted to make that happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and like, again, bring Batman into in line with, Uh, people right like bringing him back into gotham as as opposed to being like a rich guy on a hill yeah he's he's now part of the city that he's trying to protect and i love the batman well i shouldn't say love but i like the batman mythos in the sense that you know yeah i have the bat cave because that's what we saw on tv as Mm -hmm. kids right yeah drive of the bat cave and they live in the giant house but it it does you know it does seem unrealistic in the sense of why would this rich guy continue to go out and fight at night in this dingy city unless there was some sort of connection? Yeah. Because you could easily see Batman over time drifting away from the city buffered Mm -hmm. in his giant house. And I think naturally that probably in, in real life, right? If obviously Batman was a real life character, which Batman is not, but if Batman Mm -hmm. was a real life character, that would probably happen. Right. I could completely see those kind of disconnection, that kind of disconnection happening until the sprawl of Gotham reaches his doorstep is his door. Yeah. So those are the kind of things that they were able to do in comics. And then obviously, you know, I I know somebody mentioned the crazy, right? He was on Art bell a few times and what's wrong with that. I, you know, (laughs) you and I both like the art. I I love art bell. So (laughs) there's nothing wrong with art bell. And I loved art bell. Yeah. So So. I'm a little crazy too. So same. If expanding earth's theory is really crazy, but I also think, you know, he put these into his comic stories. So sometimes I'm like, I wonder how much of that was just to get publicity. Well, so he could, you know, get more people to buy Batman Odyssey. I mean, but you got to think about it retrospectively. Like making stories like that, that have that kind of, um, that kind of 
packed in punch that makes you go, makes you think a little bit like, wow, what's the reality in that? Or how, how far off is that? Is that, is that really outside of the realm of reality? I mean, take a look at everything that we ingest or digest currently that we escape into uh, TV shows and, and current media. A lot of that is essentially very similar. So, I mean, time frame wise, I mean, he was ahead of his time, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, he's just a uh, okay, he's just a fascinating. Well, he's just a fascinating guy. I mean, that's yeah, that's just what it comes down to. Yeah, definitely. But you know, the, I think the big contributions to me are the realism in comics, mm-hmm. advocacy in comics for uh, social causes that were important, and yeah. advocacy for creators. You know, making sure that creators knew their worth and that they should be valued for it. And I think, you know, of, of the memories of Neil Adams, that would be it. And of course, talking to Neil Adams at a convention, I, I, this is one, I I think, you know, to bring up, uh, we were in Seattle at Emerald city and I was excited to see Neil Adams. I was kind of, uh, but I, I, you know, amazingly wasn't gushing as much as you would think I would be, but I was a little (laughs) bit starstruck and I brought my comic book up and I'm like, Hey, it was a, it was an adventure comics cover. And I was like, Mr. Adams, would you sign, sign this? And I said, I just kind of joked over and said, would you do it for free if it was something unique? And he goes, and he totally no sold me. He looked at it and goes, Oh, I've signed (laughs) 10 of these today. And I'm like, no, you haven't. Uh, most people don't know you did these covers and, he laughed at me, but you know, I paid him, signed it, got a couple of other things from him. And Mm -hmm. then, but then we started talking, but he's like, but you know, this was me like, and so, yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, I teach a little bit on the history of comics and study it a little bit and do He's like, really? And so we talked for like 25 minutes and there's this line of people and I'm like, Mr. Adam, should I move? Uh, so the line is like, no, I don't want to talk to them. I want to talk to you. And we just kept talking about the history of comics. And of course, he was excited at the time. He was he's really promoting his Batman Odyssey book. But yeah, besides that, we we just dug into the history of comics and how they had evolved. And we really spent a lot of time talking about storytelling and the effectiveness of incorporating human issues into your stories. And not yes. making it just a, 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 a soap opera of, of heroes, but really right. digging in and giving people something to care about and grab onto and even shocking the reader in the sense of, of making things different. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm just like, I'm over here nodding my head because I re I, I literally remember all of this because I was, I was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was, I'm not going to, I, for the, for the, for the listener out there, uh, I, I was I was the guy awkwardly looking at the line going, oh, my God. Yeah. We're holding up all these people. But at the same time, it, this was it was like freaking amazing. I mean, like you, you don't I don't know. I mean, like it was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And how <laughs> often like, do you get to spend time just engaging somebody in their craft, but something you care about so much and understand? And I think that's yeah. He, I, he was just that way. Like he just didn't care if everybody was waiting in line, he was yeah. going to do what he wanted to. And I think his career reflects a lot of that too. And I, yeah. and again, some people didn't like that about him, but I have a lot of respect for somebody that chooses to do what they want to. Right. Same here. I, I was gobsmacked at the time too. Cause like he, he turned and asked me a question and I was like, I was not prepared. I did not prepare for the test. Yeah. Um, like he's like, so, so what do you like of my stuff? And I was like, uh, I mean, like, and uh, like the, the green lantern 
green arrow speedy cover bar none you know like that is like and i was like that one like i i like words didn't want to come out of my mouth i just pointed he's like okay very nice yeah and then we went right back to talking yeah. right like, like, it was yeah like, <laughs> like i usually i'm not at a loss for words for anything but i'm like he's actually talking to me this is this is uh, 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 words I can't do it I can't well and- it was the opposite usually I'm the one that gets starstruck with the creators right but you're yeah. there at the shows with them and so you see them all the time like you know him and Jim Steranko are contemporaries and but you can see Steranko and be fine yeah you get a little starstruck but you've been at enough cons with Steranko that you can talk to him and you actually tabled next to him right yeah and I and and I've I've, I've I've joked with them about like just, you know, Hey, you know, nice sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and, yeah. And, but, but Neil Adam, Neil Adams was a, a, a whole different thing for me because I think it was, I, the regard I had and everything else. And it was like, y- you meet somebody that you, damn it, Dan, I'm getting all, all, mushy over here like i uh you sit there and you you think back to all the things that you you looked at as a kid and you keep in your little memory box right (laughs) yeah and definitely one of those one of those people that is that is in there yeah and and i think i i felt that way like i mean like i'm all i'm all like this right now and this is exactly how i was when i met him so like i was like (laughs) So anyways, <laughs> well, you know, should we get to our, uh, should we get to the person we didn't get to see as much? Cause they were on the East coast. Yes. Yes. We, we should, we should. And of course, uh, George Perez too. Uh, he was, he came to prominence. If I mean, hopefully most of our listeners, our one listener will know this, <laughs> but penciling the Avengers for Marvel and then came over uh, to DC with Marv Wolfman. And of course, Obviously famous for drawing the Avengers, but also famous for uh, penciling DC's two best-selling books of the 1980s. Uh, first was New Teen Titans that he did with Marv Wolfman, and then of course uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Never and heard of, of it. Of course, in the, you never heard of it, and yeah, of course heard. he relaunched Wonder Woman as well. Did we read uh, that? That we've reviewed. We've yeah, <laughs> read, we've read a few issues there. But, uh, such such like honestly like that that whole entire run is so good. Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, well, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it, and he is more known as a, an artist, but yeah, he wrote those stories too. I was listening to, uh, I listen. I know y'all are going to be shocked. And I know I mentioned before, I listened to a Legion podcast. Uh, what? weekly. Yeah, I know. Everybody's shocked by this. And they, they're on like five, five, 600 episodes, some ridiculous amount of episodes. Uh, they were mentioning that, uh, on the, the the host was mentioning that his kids learned about the Greek gods because of George Perez's Wonder Woman book. <laughs> That's awesome. And I thought it was funny because we kept uh, you and I kept messing up their uh, we kept messing up the names and everything. Right. And I kept joking about like, yeah, I can't I can't ever get this right. And you were teasing me a little bit. And I was like, yeah, if I had just read this, I would have, I would have known who they were. Oh man. It was, it, it was hard for us because we are, this is not, that is not in our wheelhouse of, of knowledge, but. And it, it was hard too. Cause we were doing those um, right as, you know, Neil Adams, obviously 80, but a shock. Nobody knew. Mm-hmm. 
and so you know uh but george had been in hospice right and that was around the time we were reviewing his eyesight had gone and then he was going yeah. to hospice but then he came out of hospice and, and got to come home and see a whole bunch of people and and of course then died on yeah. may 6th so you know different like his death was expected uh where it wasn't expected for neil but mm-hmm. you know george also you know 13 years younger yeah but did a lot. And I, I was lucky uh, because when he right before he went into hospice or, or during uh, but Marvel and DC finally agreed to republish the uh, Avengers Justice League of America book. And wow. they gave all the donations to Heroes Initiative in his honor. And so maybe we should talk a little bit about obviously we can talk about. Did you actually meet him? I did not. Yeah. I I did not. I, I've, I mean, like I, it's one of the, one of the, one of the missed opportunities. Um, I, yeah. When he just did a lot on the East coast. Right. So yeah. he didn't, it wasn't necessarily convenient for us to go see him. Uh, he went to like dragon con a lot and a mm-hmm. lot of the, and New York. And obviously I'm sure he went to, to San Diego, but I certainly, you've been to San Diego a few times. I yeah. have not. And so, like I said, missed opportunities. It's one of those things too, where you, you don't, you, if, if I'm going to say this for anyone listening, if you see somebody is going to be at a place that you want to meet and you have the time, take the time to do it because tomorrow is never promised. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, one it's interesting because he did Titans, but everybody always wanted him to do Legion. <laughs> that was a Legion fan. <laughs> and so he finally <laughs> did a Legion of Three Worlds book because he got to draw <laughs> Legion from three different universes, which means he got to take <laughs> the cast of ca- the team with the most characters in it in all of comics. And then he got to draw three universes worth of those characters in the same book. And wow. it is insanely fantastic. And of course, he's had a lot of influence. Uh, and, and Neil had a, a lot of influence on writers. And I mean, writers and artists as well. And, and George Perez has had tons of influence on folks that, that came after him as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you look back, you know, some of his early stuff at Marvel is just fascinating. Some of the things they had him doing uh, that doesn't fit with what you would think. Like he did Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. <laughs> You're like, what? What? <laughs> it's like, and obviously the Avengers, but his, you know, when, once he got out of those, and the Wonder Woman stuff is great, but mm-hmm. obviously I think he's best known for team books and crisis and drawing all these characters together. Yeah, definitely. Like, what was your, I, I know we've read the Wonder Woman stuff, but I know that's not necessarily your favorite. What, what's your favorite? Uh, like, I, I think like, uh, Teen Titans is definitely one of those ones where uh, you you throw me one of those books and I just thoroughly enjoy it for for all the all the things that are great about it. And even even if even as we've covered some of the not so great ones, I, I thoroughly enjoy those too, just because I find the fun in them. They're fun. So well, poor, poor Beretto. We covered the ones Beretto drew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Chase. but that's, that's, that, that's okay though. Right. You know, <laughs> but Beretto, you know, model, tried to model after, uh, Perez. Right. So, yeah. yeah and there's a lot of, of folks that did it. I think obviously too, um, you know, you forget how much he did later, right. Working with Kurt Busiek and, and other folks, 
And I know we've got to, we got to talk about Perez before. Uh, yeah, but the new Teen Titan stuff, I mean, for me, that was in the wheelhouse when I was a kid, right? So it's easy for me to appreciate that and remember it. And I had a few of those books and, and then I would read them like over and over again. Obviously, I had my Legion stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I had some other great artists like to look up to, but a Perez of stuff and then Crisis, right? I mean, I've had that huge Crisis poster on my wall forever, as you're aware. Yeah. That he drew. And then, it, of course, in the poster, they had. Um, what is wrong with my brain? Alex Ross paint over it. So, I mean, it's beautiful, but the Paris layouts like crisis doesn't happen. And without that, of course, DC has done crisis after crisis, after crisis, after crisis since then. And it's interesting because I think at the time of crisis, uh, Marv Wolfman, it, in a lot of ways was, was seemed burnt out as a writer to me, right. And I, he do been doing teen Titans forever. And then, Crisis, you know, I don't know that it's the greatest story from a, a written standpoint, mm. but how could you not read it for the art? Yeah, I mean, the art. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's just there. There are there are characters everywhere, and I'm I'm looking again at that first cover, and so many characters from a different place. Like Blue Beetle shows up randomly at the top of the cover. Dawn Stars in the cover, right? Characters, and then Firestorm sort of hanging down at the bottom, and <laughs> it. It's just you've got and then the the, the golden age Superman is there with the gray hair, which is always a nice touch, right, to distinguish him from the modern Superman. And Mm -hmm. it's just fantastic. And one of the interesting things, and I don't know if this is true sometimes because, you know, I look at covers and I, I, I see that they're not. But one of the rumors for him is that he would often if he had too many characters to draw on a page, he'd just draw them in alphabetical order. Really? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, which I think I is mean, fantastic. Okay. That's kind of cool. Well, and if I'm sort of looking at it here, I've, yeah, nah, it doesn't look like an alphabetical order. I can't even justify it. But it's kind of, though, if you look at the cover of Crisis, he sort of takes alphabetically some early heroes early in the alphabet, like Blue Beetle, Arian, Dawnstar, Cyborg, and Firestorm are on the front <laughs> part. So we are, <laughs> maybe it does hold up and Superman's over off in the corner. But yeah, it's, that's kind of funny to me. I think when you look at at the work too and, and the influence of it, I the other piece of it is you have to look at the influence, obviously, that he had on others like Phil Jimenez, right? Uh-huh. Um, Patty Jenkins obviously used his Wonder Woman work oh. for the 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 latest one, oh, Wonder yeah. Woman movie. Yeah, uh, even though I don't know that was my favorite movie, so maybe she should have paid attention to the source material a little bit closer. But the <laughs> <laughs> Boy, am I taking shots in a tribute show? I but know. Wow. You're looking at, and you know, that DC Comics presents with the preview of the Teen Titans is one of the most valuable uh, Bronze Age slash modern age comics out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the hardest to find because it was just a preview sitting there in DC Comics presents, right? And then they show up in their series. So it's the new Teen Titans first appearance. You also get the first appearance of Nightwing in there. And one of the most controversial storylines, which was the... Uh, storyline with Terra, right? Very controversial now. Yes. So interesting, you know, but put his work into a lot of stuff. Of course, you know, and only Perez can, he was the only right artist to draw Justice League <laughs> versus the Avengers, right? There's just <laughs> of course. no one else. I mean, you got multiple, multiple characters, big teams. You got to. He's the, he's the, the choice. Disappeared on me. Yep. So sorry <laughs> oh, about no, that. Yeah, I'm just right. thinking. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Thi- I'm just thinking. 
yeah, it's it's just when you're looking at the work. And then I think the other piece is he did do some work for CrossGen. I don't know if you're aware of that. Obviously, CrossGen didn't work last I, long. I was going to bring that up because for a while I had a, um, a CrossGen uh, display, book display, um, like cardboard book display uh, setup. <laughs> for, oh, for nice. their comics and stuff like that for a long time. And uh, over several moves, it's one of those things that just did not, did not make it. I, w- I wanted to put it in the store, but also it did not fit in what we, what we do. <laughs> so, right. um, so it sadly, um, it, it did not live with us anymore. It does not live with us anymore. Um, but it's interesting because I do have some cross gen books in the, in, in the old collection. <laughs> Yeah, I just think, and so, you know, much like Neil Adams, uh, he went on and worked for CrossGen in the early 2000s and tried to make that creator-owned uh, uh, imprint work. And it didn't end up working, but yeah, he did try for it. Unfortunately, they didn't last long. <laughs> it's only eight issues for them before they went bankrupt. But, you know, it it was a try. I think the other, other really cool pieces that he would do is he would constantly draw for hero initiative and supported them. And Mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with hero initiative, they got collect money to help uh, writers and artists who have fallen on hard times. That is a good thing. Cause I mean, like, like we were talking about before, I mean, the, this being in this, in this career path, um, it is, it is a lot of work for not like there's no hundred percent guarantees on everything either. So you're, it's a hustle there. So having something like that to uh, be there to help out is, is a good thing. And I know you're going to be shocked to find this out, but I'm looking at the hero initiative lifetime achievement award winners and their 2006, their first two winners were George Perez and John Romita senior. And in 2009, Neil Adams was the winner of the award, which should not shock you at all. Um, It does. And it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and then they also, you know, they have humanitarian uh, award winners of the year as well. And I think it's interesting. um, Both of those folks, you know, I know Paul Levitz was highly respect respected both but also helped dc move toward creator rights as an executive and he's also honored as a humanitarian of the year by the organization so it's interesting to see these names that keep popping up that fit together as great people um other people on that uh hero initiative list by the way that you might be familiar with uh, a a few people that are famous joe kubert nick carty walt simonson Mm -hmm. so i know you I know how much you respect Walt Simonson, so I just wanted to toss that out there. Good, good, good. Anyway, I, I have to say, um, George, his his shirts. I I will. <laughs> I will say you and him shop at the same store. I, That's we, why you like I, them. I take a lot of I I I take style point tips uh, from the man because then you I, would shave your head. Well, I did. I, I have in the past for for comics multiple times uh, <laughs> for for many of the Kickstarters that I do. Uh, let my hair grow really long, and then I get rid of all the hair. Uh, but the uh, the shirts, I I I love the the shirts that he wears and wore um, because they're so they're so bright and colorful and 
it just seems like that. I mean, it, it, they're just, they're, they're great. pretty fantastic. Yeah. They're pretty just, fantastic. Just, just pretty fantastic. Pretty fantastic. He knew how to stand out in a crowd. Yeah. He, he didn't wear the old man tie shirts like Neil Adams. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Two very, very, two, very different in their approach. Very different in their approach. And I, I think like I'm, I, I model my attire more, more like George. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's your justification for today for the way you dress is that, that Paris dresses that way. But I, 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 well, I, I, I will say like when I started doing tables and stuff like that, I, I, I looked at people that I, I thought really made an interesting, they, they, they were having fun. <laughs> and he was definitely one that never always looked like he was having fun. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, spent some time talking about two amazing artists. I think we spent a little bit more time on Neil, but I think when we talk about Perez, like, I, I don't know what else I can say about the man that would, would do him justice in the sense that he did so much justice for the industry mm-hmm. and for himself, right? His work and his dedication to the industry and his work on the hero initiative, you know, stands on its own. Yeah. It stands on its own. And then again, like just the, the influence that uh, that he had on the community and on on creators um in the past present and in the future um the legacy will live on so that's our for now our tribute episode to neil adams and george perez and yeah you can't it's i guess we're at that point in our lives where we're going to lose some people that influenced our childhood but in this case, I don't think this is just a tribute of to people that influenced our childhood. This is a, a tribute to to artists that really changed the industry, and that's why both of them dying at the same time is is fascinating to me. It's like one of those fine points in history, like I said, like you know, he, he, almost polar opposites, right? <laughs> but in in their approach to the world, but the way they approach the world, you know, is for the right cause. Yeah, and even though they're different, they could both fight for. Uh, those causes. And I, I think that's when something really stands out when you look at somebody's career and you can say, and when you can say this person stood for the right thing. And mm-hmm. I think e- even though I think Neil was, pro- I, I think it's fair to say Neil was probably less liked <laughs> than George Perez by the entire community. Right. And it was the but, tie. It, but it was, the, it had to be the tie, but both, but the community recognized them both for their work, right? Like, even yeah. though one had a more outgoing personality, maybe than the other. So I always thought Neil's personality was outgoing, but I, yeah. that means he, he connects with me. So that's, I don't know, that's <laughs> the, a sign that you have a great personality. Uh, well, I, I mean, that's, that, that actually, when you, when you put it that way, though, that when you put it that way, um, it means that Neil had a, uh, he he could see that he was talking to somebody that wanted to actually have a conversation and wanted to engage, and he was willing to have that engagement and needing to you know knowing that this is this is important, and I think that's that should go without saying that 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 is that's an amazing thing when when somebody behind the table can can take that kind of time and do that. And instead of, you know, trying to continue the line and hustle for that next, the next dollar, you know, that's, um, that, 
I mean, time is money and that's, it, it's one of those things where he's willing to take that time to, to spend with you. And that is, that's, that's a, that's a really good thing, man. Especially for somebody who's always made fun of for hustling for a dollar, right? <laughs> where he would <laughs> stand there and, and let that line, uh, build yeah. up while he engaged in that piece he wanted. And even though we never met uh, George Perez, I've seen numerous tweets and heard stories over the last you know few days, last week or so, that it really illustrates other people saw him at con, saw him drawing for the mm-hmm. Heroes Initiative, always engaging people happily. Yeah. Uh, walking down the street, people would yell at him and he'd yell back, uh, just being very open with his time. Yeah. And even I reading the stories and of course, you know, a lot of coverage was happening uh, as you know, after he came back from hospice and all these folks got he welcomed, even though he's dying, he welcomes these folks into his house to see him them one more time. Right. And just gracious with his time. And it's that's that's the tough that's where you choke up when, when you're talking about it, because you see somebody in the world like that. And I think it's funny, right? Like. It is, of course, if you've met the two of us, it's there's no doubt that I would connect with Neil Adams and have a conversation, <laughs> and you would be wearing Perez's shirts, right? If you've met us, yeah. both. but it takes a little bit of all of us, right, to get along in the world. And I think, yeah. you know, working that's you're working with different types of people, and I think that's pretty fantastic, definitely. And I, I think like we're just lucky to have people like them creating yeah, in, in the industry the, yeah in the industry and 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 creating the tapestry that that gave us so much 